Hey, Geek Out Loud, brought to you by Tops. Tops is the name in collectible card trading, everything from baseball to Star Wars. Check out Tops.com for exclusive merchandise, cards, gear. It's all there. And check out the Last Jedi, Journey to the Last Jedi set. One take glossing. Journey to the Last Jedi set, available at retailers and hobby shops now. That's Tops. Rediscover Tops. Rediscover the joy of collecting. got a survey for you. Do you like things? Do you like strange things? Well, are you in luck? Because we are in the midst of our Stranger Things walkthrough. It's the halfway mark on an anniversary episode of your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. It's an anniversary. It's 225 of Geek Out Loud. And my name is Steve Glosson. And we are here to watch through a little show that has become a personal love of mine. We're on episode four of Stranger Things on this episode. Of course, we're talking about... You talking about chapter four of The Body? You better believe I'm talking about chapter four of The Body. And I'm not alone. I have a good friend on this episode with me. She's from the 602 Club podcast. It's a James Bond podcast. And she is a good friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Christy Morris. Jeff on it. Jeff on it. <laughs> What's up, Christy? Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on a special episode. Number 225 is a big deal. Uh, right? Like, this is one of those things where we should be getting everybody together, but we're not. We're just going to, it's going to be us. We're going to be watching some Stranger Things. You, Just us hotties with bodies. You have accomplished something that your husband hasn't accomplished. Oh, what? You're on Geek Out Loud. <gasps> Don't yeah. tell him. Well, he knows. <laughs> and I I just think it's kind of funny that he's all about like and this is how much he loves you. Today or yesterday he was like, Hey, Christy would love to get in on this if you let her. And I'm Aww. like, Of course I'll let Christy get in on this. Come on. I love Stranger oh, Things is best when shared with friends. Yeah. And to paraphrase Clark Griswold, Stranger Things is best enjoyed with the, in the hearth of Kith and Kin. <laughs> <laughs> the warm hearth of Kith and Kin. Um, we, we are, I'm glad to have you here. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, I love this show. We were talking a little bit about it before we got going. And, um, and I didn't realize how much you love this show. 
Yeah, I was kind of tentative about it when it first came on um, because it just I, I just wasn't sure of what I've seen from the previews if I'd be into it. But then after, of course, the first few minutes of the first episode, it really hooks you because of that mystery, the darkness, the whole thing with the upside down. Um, I'm just in love with it. I'm constantly on the edge of my seat. Well, we're getting deeper into that mystery in this episode. This is the halfway point. It's uh, episode four of eight. And um, I, I was saying, well, we'll talk about it as, as we go on. Let's go ahead and get this party started. So everyone's got yeah. your Netflix queued up. I hope you have it zeroed out on episode four. And uh, I'm going to count one, two, three, play. When I say play, I'm going to actually hit play. So, you know, you'll get the rhythm, get the cadence by two. And, uh, and I'm going to trust you to do so. Everybody. I'm not, I'm not talking to you, Christy. I'm talking to the listeners in general. That I'm, okay. I'm trusting them all to do this right. We should mention before we get going, this episode brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Steve Bennett, member of Team Steve. He kind of got this whole thing rolling with our Stranger Things expedition. Christy, we traveled all over North Georgia and went to various filming locations of Stranger Things. And... Um, up in Stockbridge, there at Hawkins Middle, that still has Hawkins Middle written across the gym. Ah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, I haven't done any of those kind of visits. That oh, would be awesome. It was so much fun. We had a blast. So, um, so that's our Patreon supporter. You can support us directly by using Patreon if you so choose. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And we appreciate all of our supporters so very much. So here we go. We're zeroed out. Remember, it's one, two, three, play. You click play when I say play. And we'll all be happy. Here we go. One, two, three, play. And here we go. Netflix. There's that logo. And we're into it. Now, when last we left our heroes, uh, they'd found Will's body. And I was crying. Um, because even though I know it's not Will's body, uh, <laughs> it, the, the, the scene and everything was so powerful with the music and all that was going on. And so now... Um, Joyce has had her interaction uh, once again with the thing trying to come through the wall and all the lights, and Will has told her to run. And uh, so here are the boys um, checking it out, the boys being Hopper and the deputies, uh, checking things out, and that's where we, that's where we pick up. We're not going to narrate this thing for you. We're just kind of getting us all back to speed in our minds because for many of us it's been about 24 hours since we watched the last episode. We are not binging this, mm -hmm. as it were. Um Christy, when when you first saw this, you talked about getting hooked, you know, right within the first few minutes. The thing that struck me, because it, it, at this point, even four episodes in, it, you know, we're still kind of confused as to exactly what's going on. Um, did you think that Will had been talking to Joyce from beyond? From the dead, you mean? Y yes. <laughs> um, no, I honestly had the hope in my heart the whole time that Will was still alive mm -hmm. and that somehow he was communi communicating with her from wherever he was hiding. Um, although not everybody felt that way. Right. Um, you know, you, uh, you do also think, well, she could just be crazy. I mean, she seems a little off a rocker. Well, she does. And that's one of the things I was talking about in the last episode is, is like you see her here interacting with Hopper and, and anyone who hasn't witnessed what she's witnessed would say she's crazy. But, yeah. like, we saw her talking to the lights. We saw the lights light up and spell run. And, you know, we, we saw the stuff come through. And, and as if to make sure that we know it's not just her, we saw it almost happen with um, Mike's little sister when they mm -hmm. brought the casserole over. And so 
I, I was kind of thinking, okay, they're going for the ghost angle now, and poor Will is, is dead, and we're going to have to, and maybe they're going to figure out how to get his spirit back into his little body, I guess. I don't know. Like, I was, I was still kind of scratching my head at this point the first time around. Now, of course, second, third, fourth time watching, you kind of know, and, and you're trying to notice other nuances and stuff. Um, but you're like, but there's got to be something going on there, because right. you're like, she, she can't be crazy. Yeah. Right, and you know, and she is. I don't, do you think she's off balance at all? I think she is, mm-hmm. um, because I think any parent would be when your child is missing. Well, I mean, even even outside of that, like she seems to have a reputation of yeah of people thinking she's a bit off balance, and and I don't know if that's just because she's a single mom in 1983. You know, I I don't know, like. Um, I think it's more because of just everything going on in her mm-hmm. life. Because, you know, really it seems like through no fault of her own, having a, a bad husband before set her up for being a single mom. Mm-hmm. And um, she works a really demanding job, it seems, where her older son also has to work to right. help them right. pay for everything. And so then I think also Will going missing um, didn't help the situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like she was already overworked and out of sleep yeah okay that i think that's great she's probably overworked and she mentions when she goes in early on you know that funny scene where she's like i need two weeks advance and a pack of candles you know that whole scene like she mentioned she's never called in sick she works holidays like she's Mm -hmm. dependable at least we know and um and maybe you you couple all that just kind of overworking herself and then this moment comes along i mean i understand why people think she's crazy in the midst of this i was just wondering if maybe she was a little bit off balance before any of this went down. Cause I don't know. Off balance may be too strong a word. She seems intense though. You know, um, when she's like, when, when they don't realize Will's missing and she's kind of all over Jonathan about, you know, you got to watch after him, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Hopper. Bipolar. Yeah. Well, maybe. Sure. Sure. I'd still don't, I don't even know if that's the right word. Um, I'm sure someone will come up with it for me and they'll, and it'll be some wordsmith that has, the words that I don't have. Um, Tenton in the chat says her whole life is off, it seems. And, uh, and yeah, this is, I mean, this is heartbreaking, though, because, you know, the one thing we've gotten to know about Jonathan is that he does love Will. Oh, yeah. You know, that he, and, and of course, there's a little bit of that blame for not having been there the night that Will disappeared. Um, but the one thing we know is that he had a, had a certain special relationship with Will. Uh, this is a pivotal episode, though, because this is, as much as we don't get a lot of answers, we do start to kind of see that there's that those those bigger forces at work as far as whatever is going on there at Hawkins Power is um that whatever's going on at Hawkins Power is is really almost government conspiracy X-Files level. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's either that the rest of the government knows about it and mm-hmm. it really is as sinister as we like to think in our, um, you know, conspiracy theories. Um, but it could also be that they don't know. And this, you know, individual sector has gone way past the line of what they're allowed to do. Oh, wow. And just nobody knows that's above them. Yeah. So this could be like a little supervillain organization. Yeah. Like with because, no government I mean, sanctions. Wow. I didn't think about that. I guess yeah. I've just always assumed government. Yeah. You know, um, they're above the law. They. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, Dave. When he was on, when Dave Jones was on for our first episode, um, he mentioned his love for Hopper. Who? You got a favorite character in the series? 
honestly, it usually ends up leaning toward 11 the most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's a lot of people. Um, but I, I do kind of feel for Nancy. I feel like Nancy gets a bad rep. Okay. Now, now you and I are at a crossroads where we're about to have this out. (laughs) Okay. I have such mixed emotions on Nancy. In fact, the last episode I spent the entire time just angrier and angrier and angrier with Nancy. Well, the, the last two episodes, um, because Nancy, wanting so desperately to be the popular kid and everything, basically got Barb killed. See, I don't think she really wanted to be the popular kid. I think that she really did like this guy, and she really thought that he liked her. You don't metal Steve with the weird hair? Yeah. Oh, come on. He's cool. He had that like slow jam music going. He oh, knew what come he was on. Doing. Don't you dare get on <laughs> Steve's side in this. Um. But I, I don't think she cared as much about being popular as about that. Mm-hmm. That she was like, well, I like him, so I should probably just do whatever he wants. But it is sad, and you know, no girl should feel like they have to. Right. This um, is a uh, this is a piv- I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is a pivotal yeah. pivotal moment with Eleven, where we we've known about her uh, telekinesis. You know, we've seen her shut doors, we've seen her break necks, um, we've seen her float objects. But now we're getting into this realm of some form, some level of telepathy where she's manipulating the signal on that walkie-talkie to actually hear Will. And, mm-hmm. and this is when, you know, it's like, okay, Will is alive. He, he's he's not just from bleed. beyond. Yeah, and the nosebleed there. This is the moment that sold me on the, episode, on the series out, right out of the gate with the first episode. And I've said this each time, this title sequence. I don't, I don't know if yes. you know that. I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a... Uh, I'm a lover of all things 80s. I feel like from around 1982, 83-ish till around, oh, I don't know, 87, 88 was, some, was the greatest four or five years in the history of mankind. And, um, and this just took me right back there, watching this thing come on. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, just, I was like, all right, I'm in. Now, haven't we seen this kind of logo before? Yeah. Um, yes. What, what would it have been from? Well, back in the eighties, this type of font was very familiar on a lot of different, on the covers of a lot of different, like Stephen King novels. That's um, what I was wondering. The yeah. Whole, the Duffer brothers were influenced by him. Yes. The whole, the whole concept of even like the, the, the letters floating in and everything. You can see that in Terminator. It's very reminiscent of alien. The, the title sequence coming at you, like it just did there with chapter four, the body and going transparent and, and, you know, kind of, irising in for lack of a better term on the scene behind it has a very 80s horror movie feel to it as well so mm-hmm. um, i love the music of that whole intro yes yes it's a very creepy like a heartbeat kind of noise mm-hmm. well synth the whole idea of the synth music is kind of i maybe it's not coming back the way i think it is but it, it's definitely coming back into my life in a big bad way um uh you know some people have turned me on to some groups and stuff that are that's what they do is that synth that synthesizer uh. style music. And in fact, in the Thor Ragnarok score, which was released this weekend, um, it, it's, it's a very neat blend of orchestral music and synth music. Um, and I have, I have just grown to love it. It's, it's kind of been on rotation since I got the album yesterday. So, mm-hmm. um, so the, the other, the other players in this that we're kind of seeing, they're almost background players, but they're also essential, especially to Mike, are his parents. You know, his mom, and this has kind of been a theme, his mom really working hard to make a connection with Mike and with Nancy and 
in trying to be the mom who's there for them, their dad just kind of seems a little bit um, disconnected. Yeah. It surprises me because when you first see him, you don't think he's going to be that way. And then he just seems to never really care what they have to talk about or what they're doing. He's just like, is it time for dinner? Yeah, he just kind of is getting drug along. And uh, yeah. and I and I don't want to. I don't think it means he doesn't care. I just think that you know, it's just he's just the dad that's like, my job is to provide for you. Yeah. Your mom's job is to care about you. But even with the situation going on with Will being lost, he mm-hmm. seems to not really believe it. Hmm. That he thinks that they're all being really dramatic. I guess so. I guess so. But you don't so. get enough, I really, to, to know one way or the I other. I don't. Yeah, and see, and I don't know if that's him just thinking they're being dramatic or if he's just trying to be strong. Yeah. You know, there is, there is that argument to be made that, you know, he's just trying to be the rock for everybody. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a catch 22 sometimes for folks. And, you know, I do feel bad for their mom because, you know, especially when she goes to Nancy and says, you know, you can talk to me. It's like, you can still just feel like maybe you're Nancy for a minute where she's thinking in her head, not about this mom. Right. Yeah. No, I can't. (laughs) No, I can't. Um, there's something they don't show here. Um, of course, I've never had to go identify anyone's remains. Well, thankfully, I haven't either. But generally, you know, every time I've ever seen it done on television, even heard people do it, they're actually in the room. And so this this is a clue without being a clue that, you know, that may not be Will's body. And she mentions a birthmark on his right arm. Could you show it to me? And then she comes running out angry, mm-hmm. um, saying that it's not him. And you wonder if what they're not showing you there is if they got something wrong on the body, like the, maybe the birthmark's not the right look or something. You mm-hmm. know, what is, what is she seeing or what's happening? You know, is it just a mother in denial? Because we know he's not dead. We have to agree, especially after hearing him on that walkie-talkie. You know, we're all thinking Joyce is right. But what is it that causes her to be so adamant in this moment? You know, that's one of those things they don't really show you. So they can kind of, I guess, play up the crazy angle a little bit. Yeah. The, the obsessive I, I thought angle. personally, first watching, that it was that they did it right. Mm-hmm. But she still just didn't want to believe that he was dead. Yeah. And I, I think that's a perfectly valid take on that because I think it I, I think that's probably more accurate, you know, than than what I'm trying to paint. I just kind of you know how you do when you watch things two or three more times, you're like, No, wait a minute, maybe this happened here and maybe this is yeah. going on. Well and they do never answer it for you, so it's still right. just conjecture. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. I don't know what you think. That's not my son. <laughs> so okay, maybe the way she said it, that thing mm-hmm. that thing is in there. That she saw something that didn't make sense. Right, exactly. Exactly. Oh, um, look, Steve. Oh, see, what a punk. Look at that hair. I just want to I want to just take a, a a a pair of clippers to it and just shave it off. Oh, why? He's got glorious hair. Oh, it's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. You know, we um we went to a couple of schools in Stockbridge, the one where we definitely can tell where things were filmed and all. And this is something I haven't talked to Steve. Well, the bricks are different, so maybe it's not we went to a second school where there were supposed to be some shots taken, uh, some interiors, and we couldn't really see through the doors and stuff where those interiors might have been. And I'm wondering if maybe this location here is at that school, but the brickwork's a little bit different. So um, never mind. This is obviously still at the location in Stockbridge for Hawkins Middle. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they, they it doubles. It's a kind of a big campus, and and there's one building that is the Hawkins High, and the other building's just the gym that says Hawkins Middle, and um, everything that happens outside happens generally around that building. We found a bunch of different fun locations. You can read about it at geekoutonline.com, everybody. There's a few blog posts up. I got to I got to get back on those this week. Um, so, how do you feel, by the way, about um, Steve being more concerned about getting in trouble than about whether or not Barb is well, dead? Well, again, he's thank you. See, you make my point for me. He's a punk. I didn't he's, say I love Steve. He's just a punk, and I, I just feel bad for Nancy. <laughs> well, see, I I, I really struggle with Nancy because Nancy eventually gets it, you know, gets it figured out. Now, this is downtown Jackson, Georgia, by the way, and where they're standing is actually right in front of the drugstore where she works. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the store, well, at least the store that doubles is the store where she works. But, of course, you don't see that, you know, because I don't know if they, if, if they mean for it to be in that exact location or not. But you can see back behind her across the street is the courthouse that um, acts as the exterior for the public library. And behind Jonathan on that corner is the pawn shop that we talk about on the expedition show everyone where the skeezy pawn shop guy wanted to tell us stories of which he was not a part. <laughs> so, um, so Jonathan, obviously Jonathan's not in on this yet. He's kind of given up, you know, he's, it's, it's an open and shut case for him because he hasn't encountered, she's encountered the strange stuff and he's heard what she said. And, uh, and, but, but he but he hasn't actually encountered it yet to to actually believe as he will um and that's the other thing i've talked about is these threads they all pull together like the boys have no idea what they're getting into with 11 still i mean they they know this chick has superpowers but they still don't understand the fullness of what's going on because for whatever reason 11 won't com- can't or won't communicate fully to them Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a can't or a won't, Christy? I think it's a can't. Okay. What I think because it, um, sorry to interrupt you. No, I was just going to say what then. Uh, I was just going to get you to expound on that. What makes yeah. her her communication, her verbal communication skills, so limited? Do you think? Well, they allude a few times to someone in town had a daughter that was missing that mm-hmm. might have been kidnapped, right? And that they think that's her. Um, I think it was, and that she probably was brainwashed so that they could bring her into doing that program with all the tests that he was putting her through at the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, so that she, the only way she would be able to communicate would be nonverbal signals with hands or face, um, and then mentally doing the tests that they want her to do. I think that's what they wanted from her, was to not be able to communicate any other way. Okay, so you don't think she's the baby that the Terry Ives lady? No, I do. Okay. I think but, they so, did kidnap her daughter, and then they brainwashed her. Okay, but but she was a baby when they would... I mean, that was actually almost prenatal that they took her, mm-hmm. is, is, is the way I understand it. So would they have to brainwash her or just raise her that way? Or Yeah, that's true, because she would have been an infant anyway. It wouldn't matter. But now she does have verbal skills. She does have... And she... She has occasional things, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, but not much. But she also seems intelligent. Like, she doesn't seem unintelligent. Yeah. Like, it's, I think that she... <laughs> of course, when you go to put makeup on her, it kind of freaks her out a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, she's probably never seen makeup of in her Of course life. not. Of course not. <laughs> Why are you poking my face? 
But and, yeah, and, I mean, I think that she's probably picked up stuff from listening to other people. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I stick with my original statement. I got to tell you, when I was Mike's age, I wouldn't have known how to put makeup on a little girl. You wouldn't? Mm-mm. I still would. You had a sister. I did, but I never. We. I, I still wouldn't know what to do with makeup, even today as a grown man. <laughs> but it's sweet that they tried. Yeah. And apparently did an okay job. Sure. Well, he and was... I like that here. You can start seeing um, Mike getting feelings for her. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the moment when it happens, or do you think he was already I think there? It was there before, but now he's kind of more realizing it mm-hmm. himself on the surface, not just subconscious. Yeah. But still, you know, of course, when you're that age and your friends are like, dude, you like her. They're like, no, <laughs> of course, what? of they're course, crazy. They're, that exterior is of course the Emory university set or Emory university building. There's a, there's a building on, on Emory's campus that they use for the exteriors of Hawkins power. Um, now what about the interior here? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't, I was talking about this on a, on, on another episode. I'm, I imagine these are sound stages. They have to be, um, mm-hmm just because of the 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 way they're dressed and the complexity of the of the rooms and that sort of thing yeah, they're very specific to what they would use board and window and... yeah um but uh but those exterior shots are you know we saw the building there and when we were there they were actually filming a movie that we had to vacate the premises because of oh it was ant-man and wasp <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Did you see Paul Rudd? No, we didn't really see anybody. We saw the van. That's uh, cool. The the van that they drive. Um. So this poor sap, huh? <laughs> oh, that must have been a terrible feeling. What are you? Are you a Doctor Who person? Oh yeah. Okay. There was an episode. What was the episode where? Not not a tenant episode. It was a Matt Smith episode. Okay. Um, was there some kind of mirror situation going on? I've just oh, never mind. You know what? I'm getting confused. The crack in the wall. There's one point where he actually walks through the crack, or someone does, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah he does. And that's what this kind of reminds me of when they're going through this is that crack, you know, and then the closing back up a little bit because it was like a rip in time. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's all, this that, is a rip in the dimension. Yeah, it always gives me a Doctor Who feel when they're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks so disgusting. Oh yeah, it looks gross, and it's <laughs> it's almost like it's a living entity, you know, like it it's got. Yeah, it kind of breathes. Yeah, yeah, the it doorway all, breathes. Yeah, like a heart almost beating in a way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I need you to keep selling me on Nancy. Nancy, I, I just, I, I know she's a teenager. I know that she, um. You know, teenagers don't always make the best decisions in the world. But, I mean, come on. Your friend died, and it's your fault. Well, she doesn't know at this point whether she's dead or not. Sure. She just knows that she saw her car, and she wasn't in it, and knows that she didn't go home. hmm So she doesn't feel like, oh, it's my fault, and she's dead. She feels like, this is really weird. Barb is gone, and I don't know why. Right. So I... I like I said, I still I sympathize with her, and then now she's having to be interviewed by the cops about something that's a very sensitive situation right. for anyone. And I do think, and and here's and this is the one thing that I do think that um, the cops are a little too insensitive about the situation. Oh yeah, that one guy with the glasses is a total jerk. Yeah, I, do you think he means to be a jerk or is he just stupid? 
Because he oh, says I, some I dumb think things. He's being mean on purpose. Yeah. This time, I hmm. think usually he's just kind of dumb. Though. Yeah. <laughs> like he's found the one person with whom he can be have a little bit of power, and he's and he's flexing those stupid yeah, muscles. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Maybe because she saw you go to Steve's room. Mm -hmm. What were you doing up there? <laughs> like, why is that your business? <laughs> and that was before or after you changed out of right. your clothes. Right. Yes. <laughs> And it's just, uh, yeah, that was uncalled for. Yeah. You know, that I felt like a direct shot. Yeah. On I mean, like, I don't know if they're trying to get the timeline down or, or what, but it just seems like, you know, you could have been a little more couth about the way you asked that question. Yeah. Um, Hopper is, Dave and I talked about this. I think Hopper is one of the, one of the best characters of the adults to come out of this whole series. He's, he's ever he goes again. There's there are times where like well when you first meet him you know and he's like brushing his teeth and then immediately putting a cigarette in his mouth, you know mm -hmm. and popping a couple of pills and you kind of get the sense that this dude is just a big loser, but when this comes on like he's making all the right moves he's doing the right thing he's invested in what's happening he's investigating he's following every lead, and um, and he's a really good cop you know, he's mm -hmm. just had a really bad string of luck in his life. And it, it really honestly started to pull on my heartstrings more with him when you find more and more out about his past and his yes, daughter. Yes. Yeah. It's it, it's a heartbreaking situation. And then later on, man, uh, toward the end, oh, my Atlanta. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I feel like at first he wasn't really taking this seriously, and he mm -hmm. was just listening to Joyce and patronizing her. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, he thought it would be an open and shut runaway case. Yeah. You know, and then the deeper, okay. yeah, and the deeper he's gone down the rabbit hole, the more, especially now with the body when he's talking to the, uh, to the coroner there, and he's like, no, the stadies took over, yeah. And so now he's about to do some serious, legit work, and uh, and I think it, I think what he does is actually ba. Um, oh yeah. Speaking of ba, here in a minute, of course, we have to sit through the, the will memorial and everything. Uh, Eleven is totally ba, and the move she makes is just like. Take that sucker! But um, we'll get there. We'll get there in a second. And what did you think of their teacher, by the way? I love him. <laughs> Bless his heart. Yeah, I I like that he's always there for them. You know, like he even you know we'll see him take a phone call later in the middle of a date. Um, I, I know. I was like, <laughs> he can't get a minute's peace. <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to mack on the lady by telling her, you know, how they did this special effect, and uh, and it just wouldn't it wasn't going his way necessarily. Mm -mm. Awkward. <laughs> Abort. I love the. <laughs> okay, I do have to say, Dustin is so funny. Uh, Dustin's, Dustin's kind of like my. I don't want to say my spirit animal, but like, yeah, I was Dustin as a kid. You would have had that sense of humor. Oh yeah, yeah, that was totally me. You know, always making light of the situation, trying to make sure everyone's happy, bringing food as the gear that I'm going to take on the quest and that sort of thing. Uh -huh. Um. Did you play D and D? I never did. No, because see, growing up in a real conservative Christian home back during the Satanic Panic, um, D and D was out. You know, oh. it was it was the devil. Yeah. I've thought God, about trying to played. get some people together to do some D and D. We have played at our house. Yeah. Um, actually, we tried Pathfinder recently. Uh, my first time ever playing that kind of game. How was that? It was great. Yeah. I uh, was an elf sorceress. Ooh. 
I feel like I'd have to be like a dwarf fatty or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. You get to pick a species and a profession. So, um, so yeah, I think this, by the way, getting back to what we're supposed to be talking about, mm -hmm. um, it when is when Nancy's really worried now that Barb might be dead. Well, and not only, well, here's the moment. It's like, wait a second, you know, yeah. and, and, and see this. My question is, is once she's got, <laughs> once she's got the picture of the creature hanging over Barb there, why does she need to assemble the rest of the picture? Right. <laughs> well, I've got to see the, the rest of the outlines of the pool. Yeah, suddenly it's just a fun game for her. Come uh -huh. on, Nancy, get it together. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is that. Th this is the moment in time now where, and it's interesting because Nancy, of all of them, has been on the most fringe fringe of this whole situation. Yeah, it's Will's friend, you know, and yes, yeah, she knew the kid. But when it comes right down to it. As far as like interacting with the demigorgon and everything, she's been way out on the fringes, you know, thinking yeah. this is just a, you know, not even dreaming that she's about to go down this route. And she even gets there now before Jonathan does. And, and she's there before, uh, even Hopper is, you know, so, um, and she's kind of there. She's really on the same level with Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, she, she kind of has that picture kind of puts her there. You know, she's even further, she, she's, I would even say with, with, if, if she knew of 11 right now, she'd be further along than the boys were. Yeah. By the way, I don't, you know, the, the only thing of this that stretches credulity, you know, a lot of times you say, well, yeah, it's a, it's a show about an interdimensional beast coming and killing people is the only thing that really stretches credulity with me is when they're able to hide 11 in the basement for so many days. Yeah, because it's like the mom's got to be checking the basement at some point. She's got to go down there, right? Do I the mean, laundry, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, surely at least the laundry is down there. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have any clean clothes? Right. <laughs> Who knows? So I got to say, that when they're pulling, trying to pull this guy out mm -hmm. of the other, the upside down, yeah. creeped me out. Oh, it's it's... It's it's scary, it's weird, and what they pull back is kind of disgusting. I thought, well, actually, yeah. it's not disgusting. It's a bloodied belt, but for a minute, I thought, is that ribs on that? Um, but I'm always oh, thinking. Yeah. But I'm always thinking about ribs. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is the moment that kind of reminded me of an X Files type episode, when you know, like this is the kind of thing an X Files episode would open on. We pulled out mm -hmm. this thing, you know, or this would be like the continuing. Um, so yeah, it looks Mythology. like it's something that was connected to his back. Yeah, it's that it's the big belt he was wearing uh, around oh, okay, his waist. Okay, the whole yeah. belt. Yeah, or as uh, Captain Holt on the Brooklyn Nine Nine would call it, a cummerbund. I'd like to see the loops that can take that belt. Um, man, school assemblies in the gym. Never was a fan. And especially for something like this. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, what if you're one of the kids there that just didn't even know Will? Well, and all of them have to. I mean, most of them have to be, you know? Yeah. And it even says, they they even kind of say something to that effect. Look at these fakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then these jerks. Oh, my gosh. Those bullies. Like. I got to be honest with is, you. I've known uh, bull, I've known bullies in my life, but I've never known bullies that would actually mock a memorial mock at a memorial service like that. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, 
you know, they they would say something insensitive maybe, but they wouldn't sit there and and do that. Mm-hmm. Because Although I do love that Eleven looks over and says mouth breather. Yes. <laughs> like my thoughts exactly. Well, here comes Mike. I mean, and and look, props to Mike for finally sending up these guys based on um his friend. Like, you know, this is yeah. it, it's he knows he believes in his heart, Will's not dead, but still they're still making fun of a very serious situation. Yeah. I mean, they deserve what they got, but then mm-hmm. again, he knew that they've always beaten him up, so it maybe wasn't wise for him to step up to them anyway. Yeah, but you know what? At some time, you got to, you know, there, there's a moment to be a man. Yeah. There's a moment to grow up. But this is, oh, I love this so much. <laughs> and if you've ever that been. to feel so good. Oh, too, yeah. If you've ever been, if push. you've ever been bullied, there's that moment where it's like, I will take a beating. I know what's about to happen, but it, it's time. I've got to push back, and I'm willing to take the beating for this moment of pushing back. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, thanks to Eleven, <laughs> dude, Troy P himself. <laughs> now watch <laughs> Eleven. Frozen in place. Watch Eleven's move. Eleven makes a BA move like, I'm just way too cool. Watch the way she wipes and turns. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just love it. It's like she just walked out of there like, I got this. Just the, the cock what of the head. Go? Yeah, the cock of the head and just the turn around the opposite way instead of just turning directly to the door but kind of doing the spin around to go to the door. Oh, yeah, I perfection. About that. I love it. It's one of my favorite little things in this episode or in this whole series is when she does that. Yeah, if you don't follow Millie Bobby Brown on Instagram, she is adorable. Anytime I, I don't, I, I've seen her in um, in some interviews and stuff, and she's always, you know, so good. Yeah, she's very uh, down to earth. Mm-hmm. That's good. You want these kids to all be okay. Yeah. Well, I think even some of them live around here. Shut up. Yeah. Um, I know she's British, mm-hmm. so she probably doesn't. But um, actually, a coworker of mine saw uh, Dustin at uh, a restaurant downtown Atlanta. Oh man. Well, does did uh, pull to me as my husband would say, pull to Christy, where <laughs> I point and yell out their character name, not their real you, name. You can't do that. He's a child. <laughs> Dustin. I feel like I feel like I could be a good mentor to Dustin. Yeah. I feel like Dustin's a kid. I'd be like, all right, kid, I'll take you under my wing and show you the ropes. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Um, here's another. I gotta say this though. Again, Nancy, just the queen of bad choices. And she realizes it about midway through. She shouldn't be here at the funeral home where the boy's brother is picking out a coffin talking to him about this. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm going to back Nancy up on this and say she didn't realize when she was on her way over there, she was freaking out about the Barb situation and he's the only person she thought she could talk to. Because talking to Steve didn't work. Mm-hmm. She's clearly not going to talk to Steve's weird friend and his girlfriend. Oh, of course not. They're stupid. They're mouth breathers. Yeah, and they're mean. Yeah. They don't really like Nancy anyway. And so she's like, all right, well, Jonathan has been dealing with this situation with his brother, and maybe he's seen it too. Well, here it is. And then she suddenly goes, oh. oh. Well, here's the moment where he says it for her. He didn't have a face. Yeah. And then, boom, here we go. We're off. Now these two are on the same page. Um, Even with them being on the same page like they are, here because of that let me ask you as as a female 
if you would have found out that this dude had taken pictures of you changing clothes, um, even just the one picture, mm-hmm. would you be so quick to to get to bring him into your confidence in a situation no. even like this? And that is the one thing that kept surprising me mm-hmm. was Michael and I were talking about that when Steve breaks the camera. Yeah. It's like, well, Steve is right to do that. I mean, he was kind of her boyfriend. And then these pictures surface of his girlfriend taken by this other guy. Mm-hmm. I, I I said at that moment, and, uh, you know, I understand, like, I would have understand them beating him up. I thought, I thought the camera was a yeah. step too far. Yeah. You know, when you start getting into the destruction of property and everything. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, he did the right thing to step up, but they also took too much pleasure in it as well. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a guy that they were wanting to torment regardless, and now they had Yeah, excuse. they didn't like him anyway. Like, probably always thought he was weird and just decided to use this as ammo. Could, would, could, the, the whole thing with her shirt off, I think, was, was a bit of a bridge too far as well. I think he could have taken the pictures of them at the pool, been seen just as creepy, but it wouldn't have been too much of a hump to get over for her to to take him into her confidence the way she just did. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, because it still doesn't make sense yeah. to me that with it being that kind of picture that she just dismisses it. They right. never address it. Right. Now, this is Hopper just doing some good stuff here. Um, that whole coy conversation mm-hmm. was perfect. Yep. He just totally pulls that guy in. Well, the look he gives, though, there's a moment, and, and we kind of were talking over it, and, and I didn't mean to, but um, we were talking over it, and uh, but when when he says, what's your kid's name? And Hopper kind of uh-huh. stops, and it's Sarah. Her name's Sarah. Like, there is a moment where he, it's almost like I didn't realize I'd have to actually say her name. I didn't realize I'd have to actually, you know, go to being, having a kid again here. I just thought he'd, yeah. he'd accept it and move on, but... um. But he he, re, he rebounds and he goes forward here and, and gets the information out of the guy. Or not, he doesn't get all the information out of the guy. But he finds out that, you know, okay, this guy knows more than what he's telling. Mm-hmm. And I love just the, the shaking of his head like, okay, I got to go do it the hard way. <laughs> and it skips straight to he yeah. punches the crap out of him. <laughs> he finishes his drink and he punches the crap out of the dude. And I could see, like, that's another reason everybody would love Hopper. Oh, yeah. He doesn't mess around. Well, but it's taking him, I mean, look, it's taking them faking a dead kid to get him, and even though he didn't know it's fake yet, but it's like, it's taken getting to this point that with them staging the autopsy and everything to to have to get that violent. And so now, now he's really on a mission. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 at this point, Hopper is peering into the rabbit hole and seeing that it goes much deeper than he could have ever imagined. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say he's got now all these loose ends that he's trying to figure out how they're connected. Mm-hmm. Because he's just spoke to this guy that clearly is involved. Yeah. On the government side. Yep. And then saw that strange car with no explanation. And he's got a lost kid. He doesn't know if he's lost or dead. <clears throat> I'm getting lost in the show now. <laughs> that's, that's, okay. that's the danger of doing these things. These kids come on screen. I love them. I love the. I love all these kids so much. Uh, I mean, they are just obviously they make the show. But man, now okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to 
um, ask you a question, something that kind of took off a brownie point for me. Okay. Do you think it was too easy that they happened to be an AV club and have this fancy radio? Well, I think that it's one of those things. It's, it's almost a trope of 80s movies. Okay. Where you have something come into play that seems innocuous enough in the beginning, and it comes into play to be a major touchstone later on. Oh, like uh, it's called like the shotgun over the fireplace or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, like you, the because it initially that a that that radio that ham radio was used to let us in on a little bit more, give us a little bit more information about the boys. Not only are they geeky kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, they fit the bill. They're the nerds in the AV club at their school, and mm-hmm. they've got this teacher who you know got the appropriations to have that nice ham radio, and they're all excited about it. You know. And so you, what you see is a bunch of boys who are stoked about this new piece of equipment they're going to get to toy around with in AV Club. Mm-hmm. But, um, but now, you know, that comes back around to be a pivotal thing in, in the show for them because this is where all the boys learn, you know, that Will's alive. So I, I think it's just a, a trope may be too harsh a word, but it's definitely a... Um, it's a staple of, of a lot of those old 80s movies that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so I love it. I think it's great. And sometimes, you know, sometimes with stuff like this, you've got to have those easy things to come back around. You don't want to overcomplicate stuff. That's true. You know. I just wanted to make sure. Mm-hmm. And I love this when you're getting more information, uh, you know, like flashbacks on what Eleven's life at the lab was yes, like. Yeah. Well, again, it's an, it, it's an exploration into the full depth of her powers. It goes beyond telekinesis to some type of electro-telepathy mm-hmm. to where she, she uses the things around her to um, broadcast what she is seeing and hearing. And that in her mind, you know, she always has to close her eyes. Mm-hmm. She's actually physically walking right in this blank space right as we'll see when we uh now is her reaching out in this moment is that what's allowing will to be hurt by his mom yes okay that's what i that's what i kind of assumed as well yeah because 11 is bridging that connection between mm-hmm. the two dimensions how good is renona winona rider in this show She's really good. Yeah. I was really impressed because, you know, I, you know, since the, the whole thing with her stealing, sure. I hadn't been a huge fan of Winona anymore, but she became this character to a T. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we and go. And like right here, you'd be so frustrated that your son is just on the other side, seemingly, of the wall, and you just can't get through. Of whatever this mess is. Like, what is that? You know, It what? reminds me of the blob. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, it reminds me of the blob. I watched that movie the other day. Oh, uh, really? I was on a bad movie tangent, uh, and it is a bad movie—the one from the eighties. Yeah. Um. There's that. I love the effect of everything growing back around, and you wonder if she took the axe and tried to bust through that portion there, she'd have been able to. Right. That's what I always thought. If in that right moment where you could see it, mm-hmm. that it would have worked or not. If she said, back up, honey, or would that have just caused all kinds of chaos? I think it probably still would have ended up having the same effect where it, it just goes straight through. Mm. I don't think that it would have actually gone to the other dimension. You don't think because so? Because you can't get to it 
from there. Well, but we see, spoiler alert, you know, we see that there's another place where that dimensional breach is, take, is. I don't know how stable it is, but obviously the monster's getting through in different places somehow. Yeah, and what I'm saying is, I guess I should have explained better. I think that the monster can come through mm-hmm. wherever it wants. But, but, but I think that for people to get through to the upside down, they have to go through the gate. Okay. Or the tree. This is me being a total nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you, let me, okay, well, let me ask you this then. So do you think where we'll see it in in ensuing episodes where Nancy and Jonathan are in the uh, in the woods and she goes through the tree, mm-hmm. is that there because the monster has come through that tree? And so that's just a portal left behind from where he came through? I think so, because obviously the main gate was originally the one in the lab. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it spread from there to Winona's house and the tree. Okay. But he didn't leave one open at the house. He closed that door. (laughs) Right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is well before the days of Photoshop, when you could just click on something, enlarge it, and lighten it up. We had a dark room like this at my uh, high school. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think we did. I think it was more because we had photography club. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember thinking that it reminded me of Star Trek because it had uh, like a cylinder as a door that was black plastic and you had to spin around like a revolving door oh, to get wow. through to the dark room. Huh. I guess so you didn't let in light. Right. So were you in the photography club? No, but I had friends that were. We actually oh. um, had to do a film project, and we used the dark room for one of the scenes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, this always... I never understand the process of um, developing photography. Yeah, I've never way. actually done it, but I, I just know that there is water and a couple different chemicals you drop on the photo. Yeah. So that is water they put in the thing. I believe so, in the... They put the picture in. in. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Tray. I never realized that was water. Yeah, I think it's just water and that they actually use chemicals in little glass bottles that you drop with a little dropper on it. Wow. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, though. Oh, I haven't even looked at the chat lately. I've I've got lost (laughs) in the episode here. Okay. I love that. Here's the thing. Um, Now, Shaz Bazaar says the boundaries are breaking down because of Eleven. Uh huh. So. Yeah, because she says it's my fault. I opened it. Mm-hmm. So, is she the one that's weakening the place so that the monster can come through? Because can he get through willy nilly? Dave Atterbury says the gate is organic, and that it's blood that draws the creature through. Mm, that's right. Because I'm glad that he said that when um, Nancy decides that they need to cut their hands, or maybe it was right. Jonathan that sure. said it. I don't right. remember. Because like a predator, I, I'm sorry. Blood. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That once again, just a great moment with him. The look on his face when he's like, when he when he can't make the lie up. That's that's right out of stuff like Magnum PI back in the day and uh, Face from the A Team, where you just kind of you you talk yourself into a lie that you can't get out of, and so you just have to punch somebody. Yeah, he just stops mid sentence. Even yeah. goes. Uh. I just love the look on his face. <laughs> the kind of squinty eye, and he purses his lips a little bit. Um. This scene, I mean, it freaked me out uh, the first time yeah. because I'm like, what is he about to do? Is he about to gut this kid? What in the world? And it was just, 
this was one of the more intense moments for me because it is the decision he has to make is am I about to cut into a dead body? Right, because it could really be Will's body. Mm-hmm. And then second, he had a child. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't want to. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that, that what, that, that what must be going through him right now. But the yeah. touching the body, he realizes something right there. Yeah, I think that at that moment, he, I, you don't, I didn't think it until after he did the cutting. Mm-hmm. But I think at that moment, he felt that that was not skin. Right, exactly. But it still was freaking me out here in this moment. I'm like, oh, what are they about to show us? They've done so good about no gore. I know. I was going, <laughs> oh, oh, don't do it. Don't show us. Oh, they showed it. I oh, I'm like, they showed it. And they're showing more of it. That's a little boy for crying out loud. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. And then such a great reveal. And then such a great reveal. Cotton stuffing. Well, the camera back and forth to his face and then. Right there is a good shot. Because yes. Because up close you can see it is like thick rubber. Yeah. But they, the way they reveal it is like you see him cut and you see him cutting, and then they cut back and forth to his face once he sees what it is. And then you see the cotton a little bit, and then it cuts back fully. But I, oh my gosh, there's just so much good about the way they do the show, the editing and everything. is just, it's spot on. I maintain there's not a wasted minute of the show. So much so, especially in this episode, so much so I forgot to mention Tops to everybody. Tops, of course, is the name in card collecting. Uh, they've been doing it since 1950 when they first put baseball cards in with their bubble gum. And of course, Joyce is glad Lonnie's back. And you'll be glad to go to Tops.com where... They, uh, where you can right now get exclusive cards, merchandise, gear. It's all there at tops.com. Check out what they've got and check out their collectible card trader apps. Everything from their flagship baseball trader to football, NHL, basketball, soccer, Star Wars, The Walking Dead, WWE, and MMA. All of it's there. Star Wars card trader apps or, or tops card trader apps. Check them out on the iOS or Android device of your choice tops rediscover the joy of collecting and there goes hopper gonna go on in he's headed in hopper's not playing <laughs> games he's headed he's headed in there to do his thing and uh and take him out take him down do his thing do his stuff um so lonnie's back and uh <laughs> in joyce's life and she was excited to see him i lonnie is can we all agree that he's a scum bucket he's the scuzz bucket yes of the universe okay good and of course, we'll see. Um, we'll see more of that as as we as we move forward in the show. Man, I love some Stranger Things. I love some, right now uh, at Netflix, Christy. According to you, I didn't see it when I was there. I need to go back to my browser and bring up the. Right now, all I'm seeing is a Pat Oswalt. Uh, oh, Dimension Four Hundred Four. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the. I don't see the Stranger Things. Um, I don't see the Stranger Things countdown, but you got a Stranger Things countdown clock on your Netflix. Yeah, it's huge. And it's actually got, at the same time, video playing of clips from the new season. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Man, I love that first trailer they put out with the thriller and everything. Yeah, and I I wanted to add, too, I think the music selection, the soundtrack, and everything that they've done for this whole season Mm -hmm. has been spot on. Yes, I love the clash, so I was thrilled that that was the bond that Jonathan and Will shared. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. 
um, and that they keep bringing it back as sort of the the creepy recall. You know, because they play it several times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think right. probably once in each episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when he's singing it there. Well, we just saw it when he's singing it over the... They hear it on the radio when we'll, uh, when Mike hears it on the radio. That's kind of the creepy thing to me. And, oh, yeah. And two, the moment when Joyce, when it cranks up and Joyce is in the house by herself, and then she, and, and this was something, I think it's episode two, where it cranks up, she's in the house by herself, and then the monster starts to push out of the wall and she runs out and she gets in the car and everything's gone dark in the house and all of a sudden it all comes back on. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting there in the car and she makes the decision to go back in. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how that episode ends. It's like, oh my gosh, she's the bravest woman in the world. And that it's playing off that, should I stay or should I right. go? Right, yes. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I see what you did there. I see what they did yeah. there. Um, this is this episode, I think, I mean, it really is for this whole season, the turning point. Because there's so much that comes into focus for so many of our characters. Um, you know, not only the boys knowing now that Will isn't dead and that Eleven has knowledge of how to at least get to him or where specifically he's at. They're finding out more and, you know, and so their determination level has ramped up. Of course, the stuff with Hopper, where now Hopper's all in. I mean, he's going back to Hawkins on his own terms. He's not going in to Hawkins electric with, uh, you know, through the guard gate, he's cutting the fence to get in. Um, and, you know, and, and now Joyce actually having come so close to, to will only to have it taken away from her the way she did. Um, and of course, Jonathan and Nancy now on the same page, you know, doing their thing and, um, mm-hmm. and, and getting ready to go monster hunting as it were, as we'll see in the next episode, uh, man, it, it just gets better and it ramps up to just what is, what ends up being a great finale. Christy, thank you so much for, for sitting in on this episode. Yeah, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, tell us about 602 club. Sure. So I was brought in on uh, reviewing Bond films on the 602 Club with Matt Rushing and John Champion. Um, So we're going through them in chronological order. Uh, I came in on Diamonds Are Forever, and we are about to watch... um, See, we just finished For Your Eyes Only. For your eyes only. (laughs) Only for you. What's your favorite Bond film? Uh, it's still a tie. Um, I I really love Skyfall now, but mm-hmm. I was always a more of a Connery girl before. So sure. I, I really liked um, most of Connery stuff. I okay. actually really liked Diamonds Are Forever the first time I saw it. Diamonds Are Forever, Forever. That's how I know them all, just by their songs. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they had some great songs, but I actually said for, on For Your Eyes Only, I, mm-hmm. they had a, an alternate version by Blondie, and I liked it better. Shut your mouth. I no. Didn't, I didn't know this. Hold on a second. YouTube it. I'm about to. Warm it up, Chris. Not to knock for... on the singer that did it. She still did a great job. Sure. But it was a little too dated for my liking. It felt very... Well, now, come on. 80s Well, of course. Romance. Well, it was in the 80s. Yeah, it was. All right. This says, it's, this says it's the Blondie's version here.
for it. Okay, I mean, yeah, that sounds more maybe like, you know, the classic Bond theme. It's got the wow, 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 wow guitar in it and everything. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I, I love... There's a lot of those 80s Bond Bond themes that I absolutely... You agree with Matt there. The, the style matches the movie that you're watching. Right, exactly, exactly. And for some reason, my iTunes has frozen up and I can't play the actual for your eyes only and it's really bothered me. <laughs> And but I will tell you though, my favorite Bond song ever was "Live and Let Die," even though I didn't like oh, the movie. Oh, "Live and Let Die." Yes, yes, I'm I with heard you. It on the radio the other day, I'm it's down. Just, it never gets old. Yeah. Okay, so this is actually playing Teresa's entrance music, <laughs> and it won't, it won't, it won't unfreeze for me here on this, which means we have to talk until real gone's over. So you guys are doing 602 Club. It's a Bond podcast. You talk about the Bond movies. You're up to four your eyes only. You love the Sean Connery stuff. So are you saying Diamonds Are Forever is your your favorite? Uh, Diamonds Are Forever is your favorite Bond movie? Skyfall. Skyfall is your favorite. Okay. Yeah. Let the sky fall. Oh, Look at Adele this crap. It's just... Okay, so now it's... There we go. All right, here we go. <laughs> I think I got it here. Um, yes. Come on, Sheena Easton. Bring it to us. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just a sucker for what I've been hearing all my life. I don't know. Um, have you ever seen Paul McCartney in concert? No, I wish I could. I, it's probably I'm, very expensive. I'm not a big McCartney fan, but I found myself at a Paul McCartney concert a few years back. And... Um, oh. And he did like three encores and ends with Live and Let Die. And of course, there's pyro and confetti everywhere. And um, well, of course, that big break, you got to do something. Oh, yeah, big. it was great. It was really great. It was the only song by Paul McCartney that I knew. Oh. So, uh, it, or I thought it was. And I'm like, I was surprised by how much music I know by him. Here we go, Sheena. Belt it out for me. year was that do you remember off the top of your head for your eyes only i think it was 81 okay yeah this is the perfect time for that i mean like that sound that yeah. is an 81 song it, it works now your next movie that you've got coming up then are you doing them in order yes we are so you've got the spy who loved me next no yeah you got no you've already done the spy who loves me because that's nobody does it better by carly simon what is you got octopussy next at an all-time high <laughs> Because I have the set in my living room. I'm just forgetting what's next right now. It's Octopussy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah I don't, I'm not a fan of All Time High. But now when you hit a view to a kill, come on. Duran Duran, 
The last, mm-hmm. the last Moore movie, last Roger Moore movie. It's terrible. It's not a great movie. I'm not going to say terrible. Yeah. It's not a great movie. But man, well, Duran you know, Duran's theme. Something that John said that I'm like, yeah, you had a point there. Is I used to give Roger Moore a hard time about it, and he said, well, how much of it is really Roger Moore's fault, and how much of it is just he's doing the best he can with what he's been given? Right. Well, and you look at that cast. I mean, Christopher Walken's in there. And there is the lame moment where they're in the blimp and they're coming up to the Golden Gate Bridge and she's like, what a view. And he goes, to a kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Terrible. There's always something like that. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Now, how do you feel about the Timothy Dalton years? I like Timothy Dalton. I, I thought, I think those movies are a little underrated. Me too. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, they're they're a little grittier than what you know we'd been used to, but they're definitely. I think they're underrated. I think I think the intensity ramps up in those things, mm-hmm. and um, if we're giving an order of favorite Bond actors, mm-hmm. mine currently is Craig, mm-hmm. just a little bit above Connery, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, then Connery, then Roger Moore. Um, then Timothy Dalton, then Pierce Brosnan, and Lazenby at the bottom. Mm. Lazenby wasn't bad. No, you know, the, but and he only got one shot, right? And, and he it, just wasn't my favorite. Well, and it, and and honestly, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is a good movie. Mm-hmm. I like Matt, it. Matt's favorite movie. I, I like it a lot. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate we didn't get to spend more. I think had <clears throat> had he not been so scared of being typecast like he was. And pulled the shenanigans he pulled, and was in one or two more. I think that he'd he'd have a better reputation amongst Bond fans. And um, I think he regretted doing the things that well, the way he did. I think so. I, I don't blame him for regretting that. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is a perfect example of the perfect guy to play Bond. All this potential, and it just kind of fizzled big time yeah. quickly. When you Goldeneye was great. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow Never Dies was good. The World Is Not Enough is forgettable, and Die Another Day is so bad I can't get it out of my head. I just think of the Madonna song. Oh, oh Sigmund <laughs> Freud. When she goes, Sigmund Freud, analyze this. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. But I do like the opening sequence of the uh, of Die Another Day. Um, uh, going across the demilitarized zone and everything, and him getting captured and you know and having to... They have to trade him, trade for him, and everything. I really, I like that. But mm-hmm. uh, after that, it just is all down here. Golden, I was really good. Um, and then, of course, you get into the uh, the Craig stuff, which is almost a whole other level. Like, it, I mean, like you almost can't put Craig in with the rest of those because, yeah, because going from Casino Royale to Skyfall is, is like an extended origin story for Bond to get to the Bond that we know. Yeah, and much more serious mm-hmm. than we usually see Bond. You know, it's at least still got a lot more humor and, you know, the dirty jokes and everything. Yeah. And then Craig, it really, you know, everybody says, oh, it got so dark. Well, I, yeah, know? it got, I think serious is a better word. Like the tone mm-hmm. got a lot more serious, a lot more intense. But they kind of pushed back on that in the last one. Um, you know, when Inspector. he's. Yeah, when he's running through the city and he ends up falling and he lands on the couch and just kind of gets up and casually walks away, that's classic yeah. Roger Moore Bond right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I thought it was a good blending. I don't think Spectre gets kind of a bad rap um, to me. I, I like it better, I think, than most people do. Yeah, I liked it okay. Yeah. But it's still like Skyfall. Well, on just... the heels of Skyfall, Skyfall was just fantastic. And Yeah, 
it just blew everything out of the water. Yeah. And it was a lot more about Bond as a person, like you said, this origin story mm-hmm. than we've ever gotten before where it's all about the mission. Yeah. But part of what makes it so good is it leads into, you know, the end scene of him going into M's office, you know, with the padded leather door and, and all that's like, it, it, it sets up Bond that we've always known. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and, and that happens from Casino Royale through Quantum of Salace. It's Italian. <laughs> it's Italian. Um, into uh, into Skyfall. I mean, like those. That's a three movie origin story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and we get to see all those different things come into being. You know, from the at the end of uh, Casino Royale, and he's like, you know, who are you, Bond, James Bond? You know, um, to all the way to that padded door situation. It's just, it's, it's great. Uh, and something that we talked about too is that this is not the the first time that in Skyfall that that they've gone back to its roots and you know telling some of that origin because mm-hmm. um after Moonraker it really felt like they thought we need probably need to dial it back a little bit because once you've gone to space where how further can you go <laughs> right right <laughs> Um, so they decided in for your eyes only to make everything much more grounded. Mm -hmm. And so then what you're talking about too, is the same thing that they're doing later than with Daniel Craig is bringing him back to M's office saying, you know, don't forget where he started. Right. Isn't it though, for your eyes only, doesn't it open up with him at Tracy's grave? Yes. And yeah, so it has that whole weird thing with, um, with Blofeld. That's not really Blofeld. (laughs) Mr. Bond! That one. Yeah. (laughs) And and we talk about how their their stunts are so beautiful, and then they'll ruin it with a bad sound effect, like a penny whistle. Yes, yes. Well, you're talking about the car flipping over like it does? The the car twisting in midair? They do that on that one? uh, I think that was in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. Maybe. Or Live and Let Die. It was one of those two. Live and Let Die or something. But yeah, there was a, a car chase, and they did an actual stunt where a guy had to flip a car, and he did it in one take. And then they added the penny whistle. Yeah. Um, so, Spy Who Loves Me and Moonraker had Jaws. Both had Jaws, right? Mm-hmm. Because in Moonraker, the guy in Moonraker, he's on the phone. He's like, oh, oh, is he available? Yeah, it well, sure, if he's available, I'll take it. Like, he's calling the uh, the Henchman RS hotline yeah. to get a new henchman. Yeah, I'm looking at your list, and I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he available? Um, <laughs> but, uh, and he falls in love. Jaws falls in love in Moonraker, right? Yeah. So he gets his little happy ending. Yeah, Bless and I, you know, I said too. I felt like it was surprisingly deep that they have that moment where Jaws realizes he's being used. Mhm. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's one of those things that the movie the the filmmakers did saying, you know what, everyone likes this guy. Let's make him likable. In in wrestling, we would call it a face turn. Yeah. So, you know, you're familiar. I love the wrestling. You know that. <laughs> I love the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm sorry, I'm from Georgia, the wrestling. The wrestling. I love the wrestling. Oh, man. So 602 Club, everybody. Check it out. Hear people that are more knowledgeable about Bond than me talk about it. That's Christy. And who's who's on you with that? Matt, is that Rushing? Matt Rushing and John Champion. Okay. I, I know John Champion. Not familiar with Matt Rushing. Okay. Um, you will be. Well, just tell him I said that. Okay. He'll, he'll get it. <laughs> he'll get it. 
it's a it's an ongoing gag where I don't know who Matt Rushing is. Um, and you've write, you're writing for Teresa's website now. Yeah, fangirlnextdoor.com. Usually doing Star Wars fashion pieces. All right. And you've just started over at Star Wars Report. Yes, and that will be published soon. Um, my first written book review, actually. Um, I read Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. Give us a preview of your review. Uh, well, without spoilers, mm-hmm. um, it's a really nice um, timeline of what happened to Leia that we don't see on film. It's all the questions you wanted to know about her upbringing, um, what her relationship with her parents was like, and what it took for her to become the princess and not just the daughter. Nice. Yeah, it's really great. All I, right. it, and it was my first Star Wars book I've ever read. Yeah. Um, really? Oh, wait. Hold on. Yeah. Time out. That, that took a second for me to process that. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. I had never read, read one before. I wanted to and kept always being in the middle of something else. Mm-hmm. I love a good murder mystery. Okay. Um, well, where finally, do you, they convinced me. Where do you think you go from here, Star Wars-wise, on books? Do you have a plan? I'm just going to read Lost Stars next. Okay. I've heard good things about it. I've not read it. I've heard really good things. Yeah. Also, Claudia Gray. <laughs> I've got the, uh, I think I've got the Leia book sitting in my living room right now, ready to read. I've still got to read Thrawn, and I've got the, uh, from a certain point of view, I want to unpack and, and oh, dig into. Yeah. That just I've seems heard many fun. good things oh, about that. Oh, I hear it so much fun. So, looking forward to jumping into that, even though people think I hate Star Wars. But I don't no. hate, I don't hate Star Wars, everybody. I love Star Wars. Um, well, Christy, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Been, thank you for having it's me. It's been great fun. It's been great <laughs> fun. Uh, as for me, well, of course you know about Geek Out Loud, and you know about the uh, the links to Amazon, Entertainment Earth, and Think Geek that you can find over at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. My hope is that if you want to pre-order some tickets, you still got about 24 hours from the time of this recording to pre-order tickets from Fandango for The Last Jedi and receive a Last Jedi poster while supplies last. And don't forget about Tops, Tops tops.com. Check them out and check out all the different trader apps they have, particularly the Star Wars card trader app. I've had some technical difficulties with it over the past few days. I'm trying to get that worked out so that I can get a Geek Out Loud account set up and uh, we can start trading back and forth should you so desire, everybody. Um... I think, I think that's it. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud if you want to support the shows directly. Come back tomorrow night when we hit Chapter 5 of Stranger Things. That's Chapter 5. Uh, the title is The Flea and the Acrobat. So we're going to start to really get into this multidimensional stuff going on. So we hope everyone will sit in with us tomorrow night as we go through Stranger Things. Will there be a guest? Who knows? Come in and tune in and find out. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. The Twitter is at geekoutloud. And uh, you can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse. Come talk with us all in the group over at Facebook, facebook.com. It's uh, Guardians of the Goliverse. The easiest way to get there is by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. Holidays are around the corner. Go ahead and order your Geek Out Loud shirts for the geek in your life. You can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Am I plugging too much? I'm sure I am. But hey, it's what we do. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for joining us live at Mixer.com slash Goliverse. Until next time, for Christy Morris, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. <laughs>